Welcome to Sermons of Grace with Pastor David Murphy of the Grace Baptist Church in Gambles Terrace, Antigua. Last week in our study of the Book of Romans, Pastor Murphy showed us how human depravity affects man's conversation. Today we'll see the ways that we misuse our mouths. Romans chapter 3, reading from verse number 10. And then we'll pick up our text in verses 13 and 14. Paul, in verse 10, writes, he says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of ass or vipers is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursings and bitterness. Now having said that, the apostle now directs our attention to the four ways in which we misuse our mouths. And uh, I just want to, these are probably what I'll get to cover this morning. Uh, Actually, five ways in which we misuse our mouths. Number one, in verse number 13, uh, go back to Romans chapter 13, and and verse number, uh, first part of verse 13, chapter 3, verse 13. He, He says in that section, their throat is a what? An open sepulcher. Now, uh, I, I, young people don't know what a sepulcher is these days. It's an old antique word. What he's saying here, uh, the throat is like an open grave. And what he's talking about here is the foul language that comes out of people's mouths. Now, he's quoting the Old Testament. And... If you know anything about Hebrew language, it is a picturesque language. The, the Hebrews thought in terms of pictures. It's not an abstract language like the Greek languages that is more rationalistic type of language. It's more pictorial language. So that is why rather than say foul language or foul mouth, the Hebrews talked in their, in their image they thought about, imagine a grave. Where it is a cause to be dead for almost a week. And it is now open. And then out of that comes this noisome, foul, smelly, putrid stuff. And Paul says, that's the way the depraved man is. His mouth is so foul and so putrid. It's like a grave. With this offensive, pestiferous smell that comes like a vapor, a stench. The throat is seen as a vent from the heart. Where all that noisome stuff just oozes out, vaporizes as it were and comes out. The throat is like an open grave. What the Apostle Paul is here reminding us is that the vulgarity that comes from this mouth. He's talking about the coarse language. He's talking about the fetid words that comes. The miasmic words that come. 
the abrasive words, the foul words that come. Have you watched television recently? You almost can't watch it these days. You might want to see a very good. Uh, no, I, 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 I only love action. And I don't mean foolish action either. Transformers can never get me to watch Transformers. I like a Mission Impossible, a detective, something that I think is fairly real. I have no time for unreal things that don't, don't I mean, it's, they're fake, I know that, but they're the closest thing. So I don't have time for all of this playing these foolish little games. I always said to my, my kids, I don't even see how you can play that. So unreal, I want something close to reality. But do you know, you find that you can't even sometimes watch those things any longer? I don't know why a man feels he must curse the F word. Every word he must punctuate his sentence with some cuss word. It's on television. Even the media. I cannot believe sometimes when I hear what some of these media barons say. I, I'm amazed that they're allowed to get away with that. What about the books we have in our secondary schools? I used to read one called Brother Man. I, I found it very difficult teaching that at Elegy Secondary School. Vulgarity. But what about in normal conversation? Have you, have you gone anywhere recently and just stood off maybe in the dark and listened to people talking? Man, if you heard how many times you use the name of God in vain. And mother... Oh my. And different parts of your body. As a matter of fact, it's almost become a fine art these days. So whether you're in the streets, whether you're in the bus, have you ever listened to somebody's lyrics? You ever slow that thing down and listen to the vulgar lyrics that come from the song? Look, when I was over here in Villa, every Friday evening, they would put on this Jamaican music. And I, I, I'm trying to sing, I'm trying to study. But when I hear the vulgarity that comes out of those songs, I can't understand how they're loud in public. But that is man for you. See? They call it freedom of speech. That is not freedom. That is slavery. See? It's a terrible situation in which we find ourselves, but... What men call freedom and liberation are just expressions of depravity and degradation and vulgarity. But you know what? They boast about it. The Apostle Paul is saying to us that the, one of the great barometers of the state of human character, the state of the heart, it has manifest itself through our mouths. And one of those ways... In the vulgar speech that comes. Look, I've heard people cuss. That my, my ears almost got on fire. I could not believe there were such words. See, And they have such an infinite vocabulary. And it just rolls off their tongue as though it's a normal way of speaking. And I'm saying to myself, where did you learn that? How did it become so... Adept at it. Vulgarity. Vulgarity. One of the greatest proofs of the state of your heart is the dirty words and the foul language that oozes out of your mouth. 
Especially when you get angry. Or you can't get your way. Somebody crossed your path. See, Paul is saying, here's proof. You want proof? Let me give you proof. Look at how man abuses their mouth with foul, vulgar language that is so noisome and so fetid and so um, smelly that uh, Paul is saying it's one of the great marks of our depravity. Number two, when you think that's enough, Paul said, no, that's not enough because this little tongue called a gift and the ability to communicate is one of the greatest things that God has given to us. Wouldn't it be strange that you and I would have to communicate by sign language? But what a wonderful gift that you can speak, you can speak, we can hear each, we can communicate. It's a gift unparalleled. But everything that God has given to man, designed for his good, for the praise and the glory of God, his depraved heart takes that and distorts it, misuses it, and abuses it. Not only with foul language, his throat is an open sepulchre. It's like a, a grave with a dead corpse open and all this smelly thing oozing out of it. But then Paul said the second thing. With the tongues, they have used what? Deceit. The second way in which we abuse the tongue is not only with foul language, but using a deceitful tongue as well. Now the Greek word is an interesting word here. Uh, the Greek word is the word dolio. And the basic meaning of that word is to lure by bait. But everyone that, that, uh, that has done any kind of fishing knows this. That the fisherman baits his hook. And he takes a small piece of food and he disguises the hook so that the fish doesn't even see the danger now the, the, the fish bites thinking that he has a meal not knowing that he will become a meal of the fisherman he's deceived because there's a bait there that he goes after the Greek language is also in the imperfect tense and what that is, what Paul is here saying is this here, that this is something that is being habitually and continually being practiced by man. It's not a one time. It's a habitual part of man's nature. This is how man operates. It's a repetitive act. He deceives and he deceives and he deceives and he deceives. And the more he is successful in deceiving, the more he deceives. Paul is saying, here is a second evidence of man's Depravity. Now, if you go to the book of Psalms, chapter 5 and verse, don't turn there, you can do it at home. Verse 9, where this verse is taken from. The Hebrew word is a different word. There the Hebrew word means a smooth tongue. And what it has to do, it has to do with flattery. Now, you deceive a fish by putting a hook and putting a piece of bait there and it goes out. But the way you deceive people... Is by flattering them. Flattering them. And oh, oh, you women get flattered. We too. But I think if the truth be told, you have been more flattered than we have been because we know how to flatter you. See? 
We tell you everything you want to know. Everything you want to hear. But we have ulterior motives. We are misleading you because we have selfish vested interests. And we tell you anything you want to hear. Yet what we want. And you know what? Even though I tell you that, you're going to believe it. You're still going to be fooled the next day. Because that's the way the human tongue is. It's not only foul, but it's also deceptive. It uses lies and misrepresentation. It praises you. It, it pleases you. It makes promises to you, but with the intention of really deceiving you. For example... Pretending it's a delight to meet the person, but then wishing they were really dead. Oh, it's a pleasure meeting you. <laughs> oh yes, I learned a lot about you. I couldn't wait to meet you. But in my mind, you're saying, boy, I wish you would just disappear. See? I'm saying flattering things to you. And then what about, you know, man, I think the world of you. But five minutes later, <laughs> I'm tearing you down and criticizing you and saying all kinds of mar- mar- evil against you. See? What do you call that? Deception. I'm using my mouth to virtually destroy you. and you up so you don't understand the damage I'm doing. So you give me more information. You let me into your private world. And the more I get, the more I'm destroying you. The power of deception. I want to warn the young people in our church, especially you young girls, especially you young girls. Men have a deceptive tongue. See? They want to get under your skirt. They want to sleep with you. And they will tell you everything that would lead you to the point where you're willing to surrender to them. But that's the ultimate motive. It doesn't even matter if you look like a skeleton. Boy, you look nice. You look nice. It doesn't even know if you look like Jack Killer or you're charming. Anything. Be on your guard and be on your watch. This is what man is. This is what man is. I'll tell you what. It's only when the Holy Spirit comes in that he curtails that and holds that deceptive tongue in check. But the unsaved man, my dear friend, he's there like the devil. To do what? To steal and to rob and to do what? Destroy. And it's his tongue like sweet, smooth, dripping with honey, not knowing it's poison. And Paul is here saying to those who may doubt human depravity, Paul is saying... They have deceived with their tongues. By the way, may I ask you a question? Is there a more perfect description of modern society as we know it? You ever notice they're going to the ballrooms, going into the parties and the state luncheons, have all these fancy dinners. They seem to be so affable and so friendly and so cozy and so charitable. But within moments... They're talking with each other's back. They're cutting each other down. You would never know. 
That a man who just shook his hand and smiled and was so friendly is the same man in the corner ripping that person to threads. A deceptive tongue. And Paul is here saying to us, this is one of the great proofs of human depravity, how we use our tongue. By the way, that is why the gossip columns are so popular in the newspapers. That's why they're so popular. All this sleazy stuff. How it gets out there. People who are your purported friends. Smiling with you. And then the next moment they stab you in the back. And doing the worst things with their mouth. It's, it's so problematic. President Trump has only got one thing to do right now to save his presidency. He got a clean house. He got a clean house. The people in his, in that White House, that are supposed to be his loyalists and do what they, there are these very same people smiling with the president, talking and then leaking all the information. He can hardly have a meeting with four people before the press knows about it. The only way he can ever save it is to purge the swamp. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Get rid of all of them. Fire the entire staff. Get a new staff. Without that, he can never, his presidency is in danger until he have people who are loyal and honest surround him. All the flatterers are using that as an occasion to bring him down and bring down his presidency. I have never seen anything in all of my life what I'm witnessing uh, in the press. Never in my whole life. I'm 62 years old. Never seen anything like this. He can't even go in the bathroom. If somebody said he didn't use toilet paper. There is a plan afoot to destroy him before he even gets guarded. And believe it or not, there may be some people out there to destroy you just like they want to destroy him. Your workmate that envies your job. You just came here and you got this high elevation. <laughs> Boy, I could do a job on you. But I am going to talk to you and I'm going to befriend you. And you know what? I'm going to get certain types of information from you. And then I'm going to use it and share it to destroy you. Do you know that people as evil as that? Yes. Has anybody in here ever known anybody? Has any of that ever happened to you? It has happened to me. And nothing hurts you more. Hurts you more. Than people who should know better. Who speak well to your face. But stab you in your back. See? And then when you hear it. You say that's impossible. Because you don't know how depraved the human heart is. A deceitful tongue. But let's move on to the next one very quickly. In verse 13, chapter 2, 3 and verse 13, the latter part of verse 13. It says, their throat is an open self of vulgar speech. Their tongue uh, used deceit, deceitful, and then the poison of what? Of ass. This is what I call lethal language. Language and words that can literally destroy you. Not only deceive you, 
But they're so lethal and so poisonous and so venomous that literally can destroy you. Now when you read this passage, you begin to see that it is clear it's a passage from the Old Testament. But it's amazing to me how the Old Testament writer understood the anatomy of the adder. He says the poison of ass is what? Under their what? Lips. This is how the cobra operates. The cobra has teeth that are laid back like that in the upper chamber of his mouth. When he, uh, when he pounces on you and he pushes, he pushes out those fangs. Now those fangs are hollow. And then when he bites you, the fangs push on a sack that's above here. And that poison oozes down into the hollows and kills you. That's why he said the poison of Asua under the lips. What the apostle is suggesting to you, that man has a poisonous sack that is so lethal. His words can destroy you. And by the way, the other is one of those snakes that normally in those days would stay almost in the sand and, and uh, adjust to the sand like a chameleon, adjust to the sand. And then you're walking and then pew, suddenly. I heard of a man who found a snake. Decided to keep it as a pet. Kept it in his home, not realizing the danger. And then it, it, the pet disappeared. And he just assumed that it maybe went out. And then one day, he's moving behind one of his, his cabinets. He put his hand, and guess what? The viper's on his hand. Don't play with snakes. See? Don't play with snakes. Listen, words can kill. Words can kill motivation. You've got a person who is full of fire. And then somebody throw water with the words on that person's fire and it's gone out. Quench! Words can kill enthusiasm. Words can kill cooperation and unity. And may I say this as well, words can kill literally physically. I've known of a woman, I might have said this before, young girl who loved this guy and gave him everything, including buying a car for him. Then he became enamored with another woman. And then to tell her she, he doesn't love her anymore. You know where she went? She went into the hall and became what is called, uh, become a catatonic schizophrenia, where you just sit, sit there and stare at the walls. You don't move, basically. You're transfixed. Within a Charles Smith, she's dead. Dead words. You talk about man's evil nature. You talk about man's wickedness. You talk about man's evil heart. Sir, look no way that his words. Look, there are some people in here who is dead to marriage. Virtually, they will say, I, I have no intention of getting married anymore. And a lot had to do with the words that their spouse told them. Terrible, horrible words. See, 
And now they have no interest. They're virtually dead emotionally. Destroyed! By a venomous tongue. The poison of adder ass under their lips. They laugh at you. Talk all kind of pleasantries. But then they use the very words to kill you and kill your character. By the way, do you not see it in the advertising agencies? You ever see it on television? The words, here's a guy, he's, he's smoking, he's, he's having a beer. Everything around him seems so nice. The party, the friends, everybody. Man, man I mean, he, he, this, is, this is life. This is, but they never tell you the whole story. So the young man believes this is life. He wants to give me compartment, not knowing he's going to his death and going to hell. Words. And then, clearly, 14, the fourth way in which we misuse our tongue, whose mouth is full of what? Cursings. Now, these are not cuss words. We already had cuss words in the first one. The throat is an open sepulcher. What the Apostle Paul is talking about here, the Greek word is the word ira, which carries the idea of intense malediction. And... What it is, is verbal expression of ill will and, Ill, and, and injury to, to do your misfortune. Look, it's you telling a person, I wish you were dead. By the way, their mothers and fathers have told the children that. And that has remained like a scar. A scar. See? My own mom, my own dad, wish I was dead. Cursing. I wish you were a failure. I hope you don't succeed. When we talk about cursing here, we are talking to use words to express emotional dislike and malediction towards the person. For example, you remember David? When um, David and Saul... Saul had some of his loyalists. David had some of his loyalists as well. But you remember when Absalom, David's son, took over the throne and David had to pack his bag and go into exile? You remember Shimei? When David, you see David with his asses and his men going out, it said that Shimei stood up and cursed David. Cursed David. And verse, I can't curse David. Okay. And what he was saying, he was... Saying to David, I'm glad it finally happened to you. You are a traitor of King Saul. I'm glad your son has now brought on your throne and sent you into disgrace and exile. I hope you never return. Curse David. This is what this verse is talking about. You can hate a person so much. That you have nothing good to say about them but evil and negative. Almost every word that comes to your mouth, you're saying something bad about them or cursing them in some way. See? I can't wait till she get that. It's coming. See? I can't wait until this happens to him. 
Paul said that's a misuse of the tongue. I'm not going to elaborate on that uh, any further because I want to deal with one last one very quickly. Uh, in verse, uh, same verse 14, he says, and what? Whose mouth is full of what? Bitterness, cursings and bitterness. The fifth way in which we misuse our tongues is to use it to express bitter words. Where we express open hostility towards people. Now I said something a moment ago about uh, what's going on on the media. I have never in all my life seen a more bitter media than this. I've never, 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 ever seen a more bitter media than this. Hillary is bitter. The Democrats are bitter. The established Republicans are bitter. The gays and lesbians are now bitter because Trump just reversed the whole thing so that I can have something here and I'm a Christian. I don't have to sell you it. In other words, I don't have to bake a cake for you if you want for your homosexual wedding. I have to do it. The little sisters who are taking care of the poor, they don't have to pay for your after pill any longer. See? He reversed all of that. And the, the, the left is mad. I can't believe he would do it. The environmentalists are mad. He wants to make America energy independent. Which is a good thing. 20 trillion dollars in debt. How are you going to get out of the debt? Use the resources that God has blessed you with. That's the answer. I've never seen Peter more bitter than that. And you can hear in the language. It comes out. And the questions they ask are always with a forked tongue. Always coming back to the same again and again. Bitterness. Bitterness. Have you ever met anybody who's bitter? Oh, yes, sir. Some people are bitter because of failure. Some are bitter because they've suffered some kind of a loss. Some are bitter because they feel somehow that they have been disadvantaged. Some are bitter because they had some kind of personal hurt. Or maybe they had a setback. They've had some disappointment in life. Some are bitter because their rival has succeeded before them. Some are bitter because they envy what that other person have and wonder what God, if God can't bless them that way. Some are bitter because they're suffering from a handicap. Oh, by the way, have you ever thought about that for just a moment? What it, would you be born like a dwarf? People making fun at you, walking the streets. You ever thought about it for just a moment? You ever thought about what it would be to be born uh, with one foot shorter than the other? You ever thought what it would be to be born, you can't see, you can't hear, you can't speak? Listen, it's only when I sit down and think about those things, I really say, God, I thank you, you know. Honest to God. I, look, I've seen some guys that lost both feet and got on pads and still walk in the streets. I said, God, would I have that courage to do that? I saw one guy uh, working for the government. He was on the roof. And he got on the feet. But I've also met some people who were very bitter at God because they were handicapped. When I was in St. Vincent, there was a young lady who used to come to our church. 
And her daddy used to, uh, you know, what you might call mining big holes and so on. He would use dynamite. And um, he did the dynamite thing and lighted it and then it didn't go off. Wait a while, it didn't go off. So he gone down in there, bam, foot off! Blown off! That man was so angry at God, I never was able to reach him. Never was able to reach him. Angry! Angry! Bitter! Bitter! He's going to his grave with a gall of bitterness. And there's a lot of people out there, lots of people, And there's so many people who are so discontent with the cars that God has dealt them in life. They didn't get trump cars. They didn't get three aces. And they're very angry at God. Why do you give this guy four aces? Why do you give this guy four, three kings? And give me one jack. I'm a fool. You'll be surprised how many people are bitter towards life. Bitter at God, bitter at mom, bitter at the church, bitter at the pastor, bitter at the deacons. Just totally, totally bitter. See, Paul says, that's the depraved man for you. See? Here is exhibit. If you ever doubt that man is depraved, just look at his mouth and hear what comes out of it. Listen to it. Listen very closely. By the way, even us we generate. Oh yeah, we come in here, boy, we sing lots of nice songs, say lots of nice things. But let us get in an argument with the wife, or an argument with the children, or an argument with another believer. Then these things start coming out. So wait a minute. Where that came from? The depraved heart that's within. Only the grace of God can hold it in check by the restraining power of the Holy Spirit. Look, I'm doing all of this because I want to probe deep into your conscience who come into this church. Who feel that you're pretty okay? I want to say to you, you need a deep work in your life and God's word is going to plow your heart and bring you to repentance. You are living too shallow. You need deeper probing. And that's the value Of doing a meticulous verse by verse study of a book like Book of Romans. Because all this negative news I'm giving you, the next chapter gonna burst forth for light and say, but here's the answer Christ and Christ alone. It's there, coming to it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the those who sit here and listen. We try to do a deep probing work into our own hearts. And I, I just pray this morning as we come to close that we will truly come to grips with how totally, absolutely depraved the human heart is. Oh God, if you should mark iniquity, who is able to stand? But we thank you that Bringing us out of this darkness glorifies your grace in the most magnificent way. Because the light is no more brighter than when the dark is almost thicker. It is then we fully see 
the full glory of the light. Now, Lord, I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. I see faces and no names. But I don't really know the heart that you know. Maybe this morning, Lord, you'll take your word and you will disturb someone here. By reminding them of the abuse of the tongue, the misuse of the lips. Oh God, would you humble us. Break us. Bring us to our knees that we cry out to you for mercy and favor and grace and enablement. May we leave our shallow ways and really come to grips with us as you see us. The cure is as powerful as a disease. Christ and Christ alone can help us. And we thank you that in your grace, in your favor, you came to us to rescue us when we could not rescue ourselves. May we learn that this is the truth of the glad tidings. That God has done a work in the death of his son that can transform us. First of all, by giving us righteousness, which we don't have. Second, by removing our sins and forgiving and pardoning us. And then thirdly, by giving us the Holy Spirit within us. Who is there to hold in check our sinful nature and to sanctify us more in the ways of God? So the problem is solved. And man is now asked to believe that and to trust that truth. And to prove, to prove to the world that this is not folly or fiction. You raised your son from the dead. Indicating your acceptance of his sacrifice. And you have extolled him to your right hand. Where he sits enthroned, ruling over all principalities and powers. So he helps us in a fourth way. The master of the universe uses his power to control the spirits that would destroy us. The invisible forces of evil, the one enthroned, he is engaged in this spiritual combat. Lord, help us to offer this hope to the world. Help us to know there's nothing quite like it. It doesn't exist in any other form of religion. It's the only hope for man and planet earth. And those of us who have tasted of this power. And seen this transforming grace. I pray Lord that we would not only affirm it and assert it. But declare it and carry it to those within this community. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is so powerful, so incisive, but yet so healing. 
continue to work in our lives, but work in this ministry, work this and help us to become a lighthouse in this community, holding forth the word of truth and leading men away from error to Christ. Bless this time now we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Be sure you join us again next time here on Sermons of Grace as Pastor Murphy shows us that man's depravity not only affects his conversation, but also his conduct. If you'd like to contact Pastor David Murphy or Grace Baptist Church, please call 268-462-4230 or visit during one of their service times. Sunday school is at 9 a.m., Sunday morning at 10 a.m., Sunday evening at 7 p.m., or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Grace Baptist Church is located on Rowan Henry Street in Gambles Terrace, Antigua.